Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Parlour Seasonal Salons podcast, a series of convivial, candid, intergenerational conversations about life and work in and around architecture and the built environment. These sessions are recorded live at much-loved events around Australia, and we are delighted to share these generous, open conversations with you. Our conversationalists for this session are Joe Evans and Victoria Clarkson. Joe is a director at JP Design Studio, and Victoria at the time was a graduate of architecture at Grieve Gallet Anderson. The chat centres on the pleasures of participating in extracurricular activities and the connectedness this brings. Both speak passionately about how we can be far more powerful as a collective and the importance of prioritising collaboration for better design outcomes. This salon was recorded live on Ghana Country at the Adelaide Brickwork Studio in summer 2021. Organised by me, Ali McFadgen, we hope you enjoy the conversation. So Tori, can you tell us one thing about you that people probably don't know? Hi everyone, I'm Tori. Something that people probably don't know about me is I sing. So, <laughs> um, I've performed in the last two seasons of the Fringe Festival and I've also, so uh, last year um, I performed in 26 shows in a row and would finish work at five, get ready in the work bathroom and then run to the Fringe. So it was a very busy schedule. And I've also started from 14,000 feet. Joe, what does this mean? We didn't find prepares. Joe, what's um, something that someone doesn't know about you? Well, I was going to talk about my fear of moss, but then I decided to um, talk about something else. Architecture is actually my second career. So I had a career in retail for about 13 years before I um, became an architect. So back in my 20s, that sort of came through for about 17 onwards. I was working in a shop called the Tie Rack, and I don't know if you remember, but it was a silk scarves and ties and backpack braces were in, you know, the older ones were known. Um, and then I ended up moving to Sydney, eventually managed the busiest store in Sydney at Queen Victoria Brewing, and then I was state manager at about 22, and I managed 30 stores, including Canberra, and my best love was um, all the window displays. So I learned a lot about business, and I learned a lot about customer service. And I think at the time I didn't realise just how that would translate into another career, which it has. So I'm thankful for that and I'm also thankful that I don't need to spend my days merchandising windows. <laughs> um, what inspired you to be an architect? So what inspired me, I really didn't know. I spent many years sort of feeling like I really didn't know what I wanted to do. So I left Sydney and went travelling. I've travelled a fair bit um, and I ended up backpacking right down to the south of Italy uh, and ended up having many conversations with different people, including my sister and I ended up meeting a couple of Norwegians. And we all became friends. They were actually architecture students who just finished their course. And we had these many discussions, I suppose, about sort of trying to find the right profession or job. I wanted something that was philosophical, something that was to do with people, something creative. And it was actually Cora Crocodile, who's now living here with my sister and as director of Snohega, said to me, you should be studying architecture. 
And of course, my father's an architect, and so, but I didn't think I would ever follow him in his footsteps. So then I looked at all my photos, and they were all of buildings, pretty much. <laughs> and I realised that's why. So I came back from overseas, started interior design, and then transferred into architecture, and I realised I didn't have to be good at maths. The engineers do that. And the rest is history, and I just absolutely love it. And what about yourself? So when I was nine, my family um, engaged in architecture design our own family home. We were, my brother and I were involved in the process, but mainly just because there weren't any iPads or anything, we had to sit at the table and engage. So we, uh, and the architect's actually in this room at the moment, and I currently work for her, so. So uh, Dimity designed my family's home, and I vividly remember the fact that we lived in the front end of our house while the construction of the new sanctuary was going on. And there was a plywood board that um, divided the back and front so that we could still leave in the front. And I vividly remember the day that the board came down and it was this, this magical how home just appeared. And I think I couldn't articulate it properly, but I think at the time it was this pretty amazing feeling how much space um, and design could change the way um, we live. I think I was just excited that we had more than one toilet in my house. So now I didn't have to share with my brother. So that was my first experience of architecture. And then I think in year 10, I actually rang Dimity and I said, can I do some work experience? And she said, no. Um, <laughs> and, and I said, what do you mean, no? And she's like, don't do architecture. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And I was like... Uh, so I didn't do any work experience with Jimmy, um, but I went and I thought, still, I'm not quite sure if I want to do architecture or if I want to do graphic design. So I went and did half a week as a graphic designer and then half a week at Russell Yellens, the architecture firm. And I think what also inspired my love of architecture was that for those who know me, I'm incredibly practical. And I was given the task to design an office building in my work experience and I put in a toilet and they told me that there's actually a book that tells you how many toilets need to be in a building. And I was like, <laughs> there are rules. This is awesome. Uh, so I have like, there's an element of my practical and my creativity kind of merged into one. So, um, and then I finally got the courage and applied to work with Debbie again, and she accepted. <laughs> <laughs> wow. exactly. yeah. Is the job as you mentioned? <coughs> yes and no. I think, you know, you go, well, I, I had a bit of a different, well, maybe not different to everybody, but I grew up with a handmade house. And I grew up with um, a father that just made everything from, from the door frames to just absolutely everything. I thought that was totally normal. So my childhood was just playing in sort of curls and timber, you know. So then you go to university and it's all theory. You know, it's very serious. You know, it's all about, and, and it is serious, you know, the sort of the, the gravitas of what we do and how design can really, you can take it where you want it to go. I loved that. I loved the big picture ideas, the, the thinking about theories, the history of design. And then you come into the into the office and of course you have to keep that 
close to your heart because you know that you can make a big difference. But I think what I've loved, um, keeping it positive, is that you can really take it anywhere. So even, um, you know, in a large office, a small office, whether you want to do residential or other sorts of projects, um, you really get something for everybody. But what I think I didn't expect, which I really enjoy, is facilitating um, sort of clients and large groups of people, especially with public work and education and community work, which I love. It's a real joy to sort of use the way we think to help people understand the benefits. And then to my favourite moments always, sort of when a building's finished or a space is finished, and then you can walk in with the client and they just, it just takes their breath away. And that's what we do. You can't really explain it along the way. You can't design the spreadsheet. I really enjoy that and I think that's different to what I expected. I thought it would be a similar sort of job every day, but you can actually really take it wherever you like. And what about you? Is it similar to what you expected? I think, and as everyone is probably aware, I think when you're at uni, you often learn the first like 10% of really what your job involves, the design process essentially, and then when you come out into the industry, it's a huge learning curve. If I could see myself four and a bit years ago when I was finishing uni, I think I definitely would see where I am today. I think um, it's to the, I've been given amazing experiences at GGA that I don't think I would have seen myself there. I also think that, yeah, we've just been given great opportunities and I think that's also we're kind of taught at uni that there's that design process but I think um, I didn't really expect to fall in love so much with the client consultation process and the contract administration process and being on site a lot. I, um, I love that process and yeah, going through the life which is probably my favourite side of things mm -hmm. and I think we've had some pretty incredible projects where we've had strong leadership for clients, builders and design team and it's really shown what collaborative uh, work can do and I think at uni it's, I know we are in a collaborative environment within the studio but I think we are, you're kind of on an individual pathway to finishing uni and I think I, even though I often work on, if I'm working on like residential projects, I'm often, one, there's only like one or two people on the project but I think I really love the collaborative side of the office environment and I think yeah, we're very lucky to have that, especially in our office. It's really cool. Through your work with the SA Chapter Council, what motivated you to create the SA Creative Industries Think Tank? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, and it's nice to, to sit on council with you as well, Tori, because it is a really good platform to get collaborate even with the industry. So when I joined as a councillor, in the first session, and there were various initiatives that we've had happening for a while, you know, to do with education and planning process and all sorts of things. But something kept coming up, not just in council, but I think for me in the industry, and that was this sense that there was a declining understanding and value for what we do. And I don't think we're alone with that. Um, coupled with that, I really was interested to see what could happen if we actually collaborated a lot more, uh, not just in SA, but beyond that. And we'd reached out, obviously, a few times to, to international practices, and they were so quick to welcome that offer um, and want to, want to work together. 
And so we've been doing it internally as well at JPE and really sort of testing, you know, what are the results? Because one thing is to sort of collaborate, but are you getting better results? You know, so I think we're sort of starting to really show what those results were for me as well. And so I sort of turned around and said, well, I think something's missing here. I think we need to have some kind of collaborative project. So I went away and wrote a synopsis and sort of thought it through and then I had to present back to the council. And luckily, um, you know, like Tony and, and others in the council were basically like, okay, we'll back you. And I think having the gravitas of the Institute of Architects really helped. So I'd already been working with different people around South Australia who I'd come into contact with. And I formed little think tanks on projects um, to see if we could get some just broader advice about what we're doing. So including like, you know, Fiona Kerr, the brain scientist, and, um, you know, people from the university, and just trying to sort of really inform what we're doing. And I thought, why don't I just call these people and see if they'd be interested in a meeting and we can discuss it. So I called a meeting. We had about 10 of us in the room, you know, people like Trish Hansen and others who you might have heard of, that they've been advocating for the positive change and the creative industries for a long time. And so I realised that all I'd done was really facilitate, like we do in the office, you know, we facilitate these conversations. And there was just this energy in the room, and UniSA threw their um, sort of weight behind it, which I think also made a difference. So all of a sudden we had all three universities in the room, we had the DIA, we had AVA, Institute of Architects, and then I'd invited some others. And everyone was just like, this is the perfect time for this. Adelaide's the perfect scale. And let's just see what happens. And then the next week, Growth State was released, which is an initiative from the Department of Innovation Skills to work out how to grow the creative industries in South Australia um, quite quickly, actually, in the next few years. And their sole real focus was film, because films are not lobbying, and, you know, and what they're doing is really good. Games, you know, there was Craft, Jam Factory, and a few others. And it was sort of like, you know, what about architecture and design? And I was like, gosh, you know, you guys, you're fine, aren't you? You're sort of, you know, you're, um, you know, you're there at DIPD, and you've got your government architect, and you're all fine, and aren't you just guys about delivering projects? It's like, no, actually, we're part of the future, um, and so we really belong in this group. So we were the only uh, strategy paper that was put forward as a collective, and then there were 16 others that were put in for Gross State. And then from there, um, they asked if we'd become the advisor, advisory to what they're doing now with Gross State. So it's just been a wild ride. So since then, now I've got 35 people plus more wanting to be part of it. So I'm trying to work out how to sort of divide it up into activities and actions for the year. I think what I've realised is that, that I've just opened, cracked open the door. And this is a huge opportunity and we're much more powerful as a collective than we are individually. And I think I spent the last year just getting to know what we've already got here in South Australia, let alone what we can do next. So it's pretty exciting. So yeah, watch this space, I guess. And for you, um, leading voice of Imagine, what led you to that? 
For those of you who don't know what Imagine is, Imagine is the Emerging Architects and Graduates Network, which is a subsidiary of the Institute. So it's 15 years post-graduation. And so I became co-chair in, I've been co-chair for a year now, so it's a two-year term. I struggled a lot, and to a lesser extent today, struggle with anxiety. I was supported heavily through university, through a core group of people. I treasured that support and I think coming out of university I've realised that through connectedness and through uh, nurturing uh, peers and nurturing each other it um, has a big voice. So anyone that knows me knows that I love to talk but I think listening is a pretty important thing too. So for me being able to uh, support Imagine we have a pretty incredible 15 of us on our committee from varying different experiences. Um, we've just um, got five new members this year, which is really exciting. If we can support each other, have a network that join together and provide a facility or a platform for people to have their emerging voices. And I think something that we're really aiming for in Chapter Council this year is looking at how we can integrate more emerging voices into different subsidiaries of different um, committees that are going on around South Australia, uh, which I think is really important because often the emerging demographic can be overlooked as not having as much experience um, in the industry, whereas I think um, from the get-go we should also be considered as people that are an integral part of that conversation. That's probably why I've um, got involved in it. And I love the fact that in South Australia we've got, we actually have a, a beautiful design network and I think if we're able as a committee to help one person in their, in their journey to uh, being who they are and feeling comfortable in what they do, then uh, we've done a pretty good job. What is one piece of advice that you would offer to those who aspire to drive change? Yeah, well, I'm, I guess I'm pretty young high-energy kind of person, so I always expect things to happen <laughs> straight away. It's like, but what I've realised is that real change is a process of discovery. And so you can plant the seed, you, can, you think you've got the right answer, potentially, but you probably don't have the right answer initially. So it's about that process of discovery. And I think we, as architects and designers, work like that with our projects often and we're sort of trained to think that way and we do drive change in, in, in part and sometimes significantly in the projects that we do but I do believe now that I'm working on the think tank which has really been another old dimension for me you realise that it's okay for it to take time it's okay for something to to build something up that's not going to be relying on one or two people. Like it really has to be something that's almost like a movement or a, a belief or something that people can take and have ownership of and they discover. And maybe the right answer you never get to, but it's actually how you get there. <laughs> so I think that's what I've realised. And what advice would you give? Mine's very similar to yours. Um, I think change is not always like revolutionary, it's the evolutionary process of it. I always think that um, in order to try and assist in making change, you need to have the right people on the bus that 
lovely word, journey, but um, <laughs> you need to be able to have, I think it's important to, I think we often kind of consider that if you're the person that's maybe initiating or something, that you have to be the one that um, drives it all. Mm-hmm. But I think um, it's important for us all to remember in whatever endeavour that we try and do that you don't have to be the only one that's doing it. So I think that apart as that's the point of having committees and having a critical mass behind behind you or behind the, the driver is to be able to um, assist in working towards that and I think it's um, important to have a clear message, um, have a consistent um, driving force as to what you're trying to change and to understand that it takes time and you might not always be successful in your endeavour but that change often also is for not just your individual self. So often we spark change for a collective and I think that's important to remember as to I think you can get kind of caught up in the process of it all so I think it's important to remember why you're doing it often when it's hard you kind of just want to pack in the bag sometimes and wonder why you're doing it but I think to remember uh, who, what change you're trying to make okay one more question hey well this is our last question so <laughs> what great timing do you have a career highlight one of my career highlights probably was when I was younger and I was working for the Thai Rack and I won a trip to London. Um, <laughs> so that was good. Um, so there's not enough of that happening in architecture. Um, but no, that was fantastic. And another career highlight was Proven Hall, I think, for UNESA. Um, you know, bringing Snowheader from Norway here for their first project in Australia and, and collaborating with Jam Factory, their first design commission as a lead design principal team, and that's changed the course of Jam Factory. And I knew Brian was hoping there was a big catalyst project like that, and I realised the power of collaboration from that moment. But also, yeah, it was a really tough project, but one that I'm really proud of, and I see those green wings sort of growing. The, the, the way that it nestles into the city there, and I just think, yeah, that's very part of that. What about yourself? It's funny because I have various uh, career highlights, but at different scales. So my first career highlight was when I got development plan set on my first residential job, <laughs> and I ran over to Divinity, and I was so excited, and I was like. And she's like, you still got two more to go, like two more consents until you can start building. And I'm like, <laughs> so like, things like that, I think it's important to remember the small and the big. And I think I remember my first client meeting where I, they said they liked the design. I was like, <laughs> I'm like so used to uni where they're like, they're architects and they're designed to, to provide you with constructive feedback. So this was a pretty awesome feeling when they, um, when they were like, yep, sign away, let's build it. And I was like, awesome. So that was really cool. My big, big career highlight was probably Pembroke Middle School redevelopment. I think that was uh, probably one of the big projects that I was given um, design responsibility in collaboration with Dimity to do a lot of the design work. And that, and that was a pretty proud moment to watch the um, development of that. I think um, design in that fact, it, I think we all understand it completely consumes your life. Uh, we were there on the weekends watching the bridge get lifted in. We brought our families to come and watch because we were all so excited. And I think that was a pretty phenomenal experience watching the kids come in and 
And I also, in my choir that I do, um, kids from Pembroke were um, in my choir as well. So it ranged from different um, ages. And they would come up to me and be like, we're seeing this get built today. And I was like, that's awesome. And doing science in the pink lab. And I was like, also like it, those little bits and pieces, I think on a personable level is really exciting because um, you, you're having change to lots of people's different lives. And then, then I think um, ultimately my biggest career highlight um, on top of that was probably presenting the project um, at the jury presentations for the awards. So I think for me that was pretty phenomenal to be able to get up there. Um, I was, it was actually, um, Dimity had um, booked to go to Melbourne um, and unfortunately landed on that weekend. And I think I, I said, I think this is like, or this would be an awesome opportunity if, um, um, if we could collaborate and do that. And he said, go for it. If you're, if you're ready and you want to do it, go for it. And I think, which is a, a credit to working there is where if we're given opportunity, we're able to run with it. So I think it was a phenomenal experience to get up there and present. And I think we're now, as a part of Imagine, looking at a, an award that we can give to emerging practices or emerging and emerging projects. This is the first time in South Australia that we're piloting this year. And a part of that process is if, uh, if the people on the, on the project that are emerging, that classify that, are also integrated into the jury presentations. So um, I think often we see a lot of uh, directors or a lot of uh, project leads um, presenting the projects at jury presentations, which makes a lot of sense, but I think it's a, it would also be a pretty amazing thing when we start to see a few people that worked on it behind the scenes or um, had a pretty um, big involvement in it. So, yeah, that was probably my career highlight. Thank you for joining us for our parlour seasonal salons. We hope you have enjoyed this conversation. For more information about our salons and our conversationalists for this session, you can head to our website, parlor.org.au.